Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, episode 739 on today, Tuesday, the 12th of September, 2023. I'm your host, Connor, joined by Dan. Hi, guys. And our special guest, Benjamin Ditchstar. Hey, everybody. Spokesman of the Trucker Convoy. The, the Canadian Trucker Convoy, aka Freedom Convoy. J- yes. Justin Trudeau's favorite event, Trudeau's Truck Stop. <laughs> well, um, Genuine I'm, bloody hero, this man. Yeah. If it wasn't for the truckers' protest, I, I think those, those ridiculous mandates would have carried on for an awful lot longer. Yeah, well, we we our coverage got a mention in your book, um, so we're we're very very grateful for the shout out for the podcast. Honkingforfreedom.com, by the way, check it out. Yeah, yeah it's fa- it's fantastic. I I burned through it in a week. It's eminently readable. Um, it's got a hell of a lot in there, like you smashing your ankle and still carrying on with it. So yeah, well, well done for that, mate. But but truly, and and this comes from both myself and Dan. Um, as much as we covered it, you guys were actually out in the streets doing it, and, and yep. you, you served as a global example for the pushback against this kind of tyranny. So, so well, we were inspired by platforms like you guys, and people have the courage to speak out and focus their careers on encouraging other people to also speak out. So, this is a symbiotic uh, relationship. We couldn't have done it without the support of Lotus Eaters and other similar podcasts, uh, including the people on the ground. So, it wasn't us; it was all of us together, as the lefties like to say, right? Yeah. So now we're done kissing each other's backsides. Uh, <laughs> today's topics: uh, the UK is introducing energy rationing, so we're all going to be cold and poor, as per usual. Uh, California's crime wave, which has been sanctioned by a series of bills that you're going to be taking us through. Yes, not good. And what the f is wrong with Canada? With our <laughs> Lux, but we're going to need some time for that one, aren't we? Yes, yes we are. Yeah, many such cases. So, without further ado, let's jump into today's topics. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Throat. So the UK mm. is introducing smart meter energy rationing. And they're going to give the police new powers to raid your home if you aren't complying with their energy efficiency standards. Now, those energy efficiency standards are according to an energy performance certificate, and that's based on EU law, which I thought we were meant to have left at one point, but it turns out... Yeah, I was under that impression. Yeah, so they got rid of the EU laws, and then they just used the law to write them back into law for Britain. Oh, God. Yeah, it's almost well, it's like, because they wanted to do it anyway, and they're just using that as an excuse. That sounds like a conspiracy theory, Dan, and we can't abide by that on this podcast. Um, so while we're still allowed to keep the lights on and energy's still running, you can go and subscribe to our website for as little as £5 a month and watch great interviews with guests like this. And this is my recent interview with author Nina Power, who asked, what do men want? I would suggest adding energy security to that list is going to happen sometime soon. Also, Nina was really lovely, um, very nourishing chat. So go and check that out. And for the subscription fee, we can keep facilitating bringing in those guests. You can keep watching it for free. But let's jump to the authoritarian bill in question. This is from the Daily Skeptic. So this is, and and I I am not kidding you, this is the full title of the 446-page bill, right? It's called the UK Energy Bill, but the full title is A Bill to Make Provisions About Energy Production and Security in the Regulation of the Energy Market, Including Provision About the Licensing of Carbon Dioxide Transport and Storage, About Commercial Arrangement for Industrial Carbon Capture and Storage and for Hydrogen Production, About New Technology, Including Low Carbon Heat Schemes and Hydrogen Grid Trials, About the Independent System Operator and Planner, About Gas and Electricity Industry Codes, About Heat Networks, About Energy Smart Appliances and Load Control, About the Energy Performance of Premises, About the Resilience of the Core Fuel Sector, About Offshore Energy Production, Including the environmental protection licensing and decommissioning about the civil nuclear sector including the civil nuclear constabulary and for connected purposes so that's the title that's a title that's a, <laughs> I, I've, I've read Ayn Rand monologues that are shorter than that yeah so you know when the Americans call something a port barrel bill with literally everything in it oh we're doing that now are we well uh, did they miss anything out 
I don't know. I, I got bored halfway through and I, stopped listening. Yeah, they, they could have included the loving cu- puppies and kittens <laughs> acts just to soft sell it, I, I suppose. So the purpose of the bill is to subsidize the carbon capture industry and talk about onshore wind and things like that. We'll, we'll get to those like subordinate concerns later. The most interesting part here is about smart meters and smart appliances. So an interconnected web of everything in your home hooked up to an energy efficiency scoring and mediating system. So it's meant to be saving you money on your energy bills by making it so that your fridge and your light systems can be turned off when you're not in the room. Uh, the heating can be controlled properly. So when you're not out, it can, this is something you spoke about on Brokenomics before, it can heat your home up to an adequate temperature before you get home and therefore you're not running it all day and you're not losing cash. The there, there, is, there is a theory element of it that it can be to your advantage. Yes, there is. But basically, who, ha- who really has the control here? That's the question. Well, we're going to answer that question. Oh, good. It turns out that's the point of the bill. Um, I think you're going to see some similarities here with the arbitrary confiscation of bank accounts with the trucker protest. Yeah, I was actually going to ask, what is a Bitcoin miner considered? Is that considered a smart appliance? That would be interesting. Mm. I don't know if that's a You see a miner ticking off? Are they going to start cut off your power if you're mining Bitcoin? That would be... Interesting question. I wouldn't be shocked, actually. That's fascinating. I hadn't considered that. So the bill defines a smart meter as an appliance which is capable of adjusting the immediate or future flow of electricity into or out of itself or another appliance in response to a load control signal and includes any software or other systems which enable or facilitate the adjustment to be made in response to that signal. So who sends a load control signal? If the signal is sent to the smart appliance by anything other than the homeowner, that means that the electricity supply from all of your appliances in the household can be manipulated or confiscated. Mm. And that is the backdoor built into this bill. Right. So they're going to look at whether or not you're complying with energy mandates. One of those things is, quote, requiring persons to supply evidence of their compliance to enforcement authorities, conferring powers of entry, including by reasonable force. So... Well, they can break down your door. Yes. Well, at least, it, if... at least it's reasonable for us. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cue the FBI video of them swinging through the window uh, and crashing through the ceiling. Exactly. Yeah, so they can check exactly. whether or not you've got your smart meter installed, presumably when they become mandatory, rather than just getting them to sell you it via Albert Einstein on the telly. And then if it's on, if it's working, and if you're complying with those energy certificates that are in the EU law. Because I've spent the last five years being offered a smart meter and every time saying, no, stop calling me, go Same away with and the number. Yeah, so eventually, I don't know, they're going to, kick your door down and force one on you, I suppose. I have a question. Does the UK not have an equivalent of what we have in North America, common carrier laws? You know what common carrier laws is? What's that? It means that you cannot discriminate on the individual, the customer, based on you know their political perspectives or race, identity, gender, all that sort of stuff. So if, you are in a, if you're running an, airplane, an airline or you're an energy company, you cannot discriminate based on who is your customer. It has to be a common carrier. I, I don't, I don't know there. if we've got laws prohibiting it. I just know well, we, we, we are creeping into that space. Well, that's exactly my point. They're trying, I, I think if there is a structure, this seems to be they're trying to subvert it. Yes. And I think that would be the way to, to push back. Again. So this would be something you'd be able to cover under the Equality Act because it's not just for hiring. It is also for treatment by public bodies and companies. Yeah. So that would be anti-discrimination law. The Problem is, as we know every single time, is that the law is not neutral because it's applied by people who have specific biases. 
So if you were a conservative white man and you try and appeal to Equality Act legislation saying, I've been discriminated by this company, good luck. Oh, yeah, but Richie, Richie Sunak's going to save you. So you guys will be fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're going to mention him <laughs> later. Trust me, trust me. Um, so they not only require you to submit evidence that you're complying or the police will kick your door down, <laughs> right? It says, all electricity and gas meters have dates by which they should be replaced. So this is going to be a guaranteed mandate. And then there's clause 248. And some of the MPs have been raising a stink about this because this is buried quite deep, right? The Secretary of State may make regulations for any of these purposes, A, enabling or requiring the energy usage or energy efficiency of premises to be assessed, certified, and publicized. So that means at any time he can change the mandate, he can update it, he can make it more restrictive. And non-compliance carries fines of £15,000 and 12 months in prison. So it's, it's ruled by diktat of a bureaucrat. Yes. And so because of the smart meter being adjustable on the fly, they can change the law tonight make it so that your smart meter has to meet the new requirements. And if tomorrow you go over your energy use allowance, the police can kick down your door and give you a £15,000 fine and stick you in prison for you. I don't want to get too annoyed, but there is another way of doing this. Just produce more bloody energy. Yes, but that would imply that they want a functioning energy grid and not just to make you a sub. Actually, I'm going to throw in another angle here. Um, I've mentioned some of my seconds. You can look up National Grid Live and you can see where the energy is coming from. It is not uncommon. I think it's the case when I looked at it this morning that 10% is coming from France and quite often that can go up to a quarter of all our energy is coming from France. So we are reliant on French nuclear energy. What's the other thing that's happening in France at the moment? Oh yeah, they've got that Niger thing going on. And they were extracting uranium from Niger for less than a euro and Niger just put the price up to 200 euros. So we are basically at the end of the chain of French nuclear power, which is at the end of the chain of the Niger uranium, which has just gone up in price by 200%. No. Well, another great country to secure uranium from would have been that really big one over in Eastern Europe that currently... Oh, yes. That one. Quite a bit. Yeah. So so things are about to get really expensive in terms of the raw materials and also if you don't comply with the arbitrarily changing energy use Mm. targets that some bureaucrat and in Whitehall's going to set. But what is the rationale for this? Is that there's not enough supply or the planet is dying because carbon is killing it? Like, is, is that be not both. the rationale? It will be both. Well, can they not pick one? Just pick one excuse yeah, but stick the, with it. The latter excuse is the reason why they don't want to generate abundant energy for the former because actually the abundant energy of the gold are not saving the planet. Yeah. So, Because the, they could just build these nuclear power stations. It's like Nick Clegg in 2012 said, oh, yeah. they won't come online until 2022, 2023. We could have used that. Thanks very much. That's right. But they don't want to. Instead, they purposely build um, temperamental, weather-reliant renewable energy to then manufacture consent to then ration it for you guys. But the, my question is, and again, I'm not familiar with what's going on here, Thorium nuclear facilities, which is kind of the newest generation of of, uh, of nuclear waste, uh, nuclear facilities don't generate nuclear waste. So what's the problem? You don't have meltdown. Well, yeah, the you don't have nuclear. Like all the bad aspects of nuclear energy yeah. is gone. If, if you, so why do they want to kill it? If you accept the narrative, fine. Oh, it was okay, nuclear. you yeah. honk honk. Yeah, I think I accept narrative. No, no, no. I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm even if we do accept the narrative, yeah, yeah. give us nuclear. Then yep, that's fine. But they won't do that. That's right. So they're giving us the narrative and they're denying us the solution and they're just doing the well, what, what Connor says. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, good, solid conservative leadership in this country. Just like Canada. We'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll get to that later. I actually predicted this quite a while ago um, because, <laughs> funnily enough, I, when I used to write a, a column for a sort of like climate skeptic mag that was trying to say, can we have sensible solutions to any sort of conservation or energy issue, please? Because the entire world isn't burning down. You know, typical conspiracy theorist. Uh, there was a, a bill 
sort of bit of legislation working its way through go- government when Grant Shapps was transport secretary. Because you know he's big on board with net zero and he's actually good friends with Bill Gates. I have that on word from yeah. people that work closely with him. Um, he was exploring the ability to turn off smart appliances and particularly electric car charging ports that were trying to install in new builds and buildings at peak use hours in order to ration the energy because they knew in advance, and I, I told them this in my paper, it turns out that if you go fully renewable, you're only going to meet about 27% of energy demand for the entire country. So if you're going to press yeah. your foot on that particular accelerator, we're going to have to accept a so, lot so lower So the, the issue is there is that the... The, the the energy generation is more or less flat. I know it fluctuates, but it's more or less flat across the day. But energy use is varied significantly between yes. daytime and nighttime. And the whole thing with electric cars is, oh, that will work because people will charge their electric char- cars at night. But only if they actually do charge their electric cars at night. If they do it during the day when everything else is turned on, the whole thing doesn't work. So then you get to the point of what you just said, which is, okay, well, we're now going to need to force these people into electric cars and simultaneously force them not to charge them during the day. Yeah. So they actually, they, they set it. So they said the smart chargers would connect to the smart meters and deactivate automatically according to the presets, limiting the function between 8 and 11 a.m. and 4 to 10 p.m. So basically a travel lockdown, because if you wanted to go out at that time, you'd forgotten to charge it, or you'd made a long journey the next day, then you're screwed. And then in 2021, September 2021, the Green Party Baroness, Natalie Bennett, said that she should use um, electric cars as like driveway backup generators for when the grid inevitably fails. So she's even admitting, even though she wants 100% renewable yeah. and has said no nuclear, that the grid won't won't work. Um, yeah, that's a bad idea. That's it's not a horrendous idea. Yeah, I, I actually modelled that way back when, and I was like, that's not even going to be a fraction of a percent. It's yeah. just. And then what happens when said generator runs out in a day, and you have a 21 day trough, and yeah. you can't even charge your car, and it's also out of battery. There, there is some virtue to encouraging people to take these powerball things and, and load level with that, but you, you can't incentivize people to do that without you know massively throwing money at it because people aren't going to do it on their own because there's it, it, does make, it does not make individual sense to do it financially. Yes, and what ended up happening was the National Grid and Octopus Energy, it turns out, were already looking into this. So they did a pilot scheme that drained the batteries of electric cars during generation drop. <laughs> Now, under this new legislation, they wouldn't even have to inform you of that, would they? So they could just decide, oh, you tweeted out the wrong thing. Boom. There goes, oh, sorry, there was, there was an energy trough, guys. Yeah. We just needed, we really needed the power from like this specific household on the street. Bit, bit strange. There's, there's another penny in that I wish I wasn't right, but I suppose I am, Jar. So there were a few politicians that, that spoke up against this, uh, one of them being Jacob Rees-Mogg. Um, turns out that he voted against it. He was one of the few that voted against it, and I thought I'd just play a quick clip of his GB News monologue from, from the other night. Oh, John. The government's energy bill is set for its third and final reading tomorrow before the chance of hing- ping-pong with um, the Lords and the Commons. The bill proposes a number of things. It will enable £20 billion of your money to be spent on carbon capture technology that stores carbon dioxide emissions in exhausted gas wells. But £20 billion is a lot of your money to be spent on a speculative technology. A recent study showed that when carbon capture is used for a given industrial plant, when taking into account the CO2 emissions produced via the process itself, emissions would only be reduced by about 10%. The bill also focuses on home insulation, which is a good thing within itself, but has some extreme measures. It gives the power to the government to criminalise people in future for not following regulations 
with minimal parliamentary oversight. What do I mean by this? Well, when New Labour was at its height, it was creating new criminal offences day after day. And the Conservatives at that point and the House of Lords argued that it was wrong to create criminal offences without a full parliamentary process. Now the energy bill is going to make it possible to create criminal offences by a quick route. This is constitutionally wrong. It may also make it more difficult for people to sell homes or rent properties which aren't at a high enough insulation standard. We have a very old housing stock in this country, lots of listed buildings, buildings in conservation areas where one side of the government won't give you permission to make them more um, environmentally friendly, to insulate them more, and the other saying, well, you may not be able to sell them if you haven't insulated them. So you'll have knock-on effects on the housing market and you'll take away people's major asset. Your major asset could be a threat. The bill allows the government to regulate electrical appliances in the way the European Union does. You remember all these stories about how powerful a kettle could be or a hoover, a vacuum cleaner. This bill will allow us to do the same. I found it very interesting in there that he spoke about the housing market. Because you're getting pressures from all sides, whether that's the inflation of demand via immigration, whether that's the stranglehold placed by a regulation, because 25% of the Conservative Party's donors are property developers and they quite like to keep the prices artificially inflated. And now there are certain regulations that would stop you from selling your home or would significantly devalue it just as the boomers are about to age out of the market. Yeah, I, I know a guy who lives in a house built in the 1600s. Right. It cannot be made energy efficient. It cannot be done. And you know what's very scary about this? Um, maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, if you know George Gammon in the United States, he, does, uh, he focuses a lot on a lot of this stuff. And he, he had a career developing homes. That's how he became you know, very successful. And very concerned about the WF, these sorts of policies at the UN. And what he suggested is, I think I know how they're going to take your homes. Well, green energy policy. And if your home all of a sudden requires several hundreds of thousands of dollars of improvements and you can't get a mortgage for your house against your house to improve it, you don't have the money. Well, you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy because yeah. we'll gladly buy it from you and you rent can just rent you. your own home. But the, the, other, the other thing that will happen is you'll probably be refused a mortgage slash um, house insurance as well. Because you're racist. <laughs> That's why. That as well. But... If you won't be able to buy house insurance or contents insurance if you haven't got these certain retrofits. So yeah. if you do have a catastrophic uh, uh, issue with with your house, then you're not going to be able to claim on insurance. You're going to pay a hell of a lot, and so you might not be able to make your mortgage repayments, and it gets seized, and it just funnels straight. Play, back. play this out over a long enough time period. The first to go will be people like my mate in a in a very very old house, which is the nature of this country. We have we have very old buildings all over the place. And, but over the decades, it will just creep and creep and creep until it's everybody's in the, in, in the pod, basically. Yep. The renewably powered pod. Great. Fantastic. doesn't go far enough, though, apparently, because, of, of course, there's that. Um, first of all, I just thought we'd look at the exact people who, who voted for this. Uh, so all eyes from the Conservative Party, wow. right? Only 18 no's from the Conservative Party and an independent MP. That would be friend of the show, Andrew Bridgen. Labour Party all abstained. So that vote is as good as a yes. Yeah. Because they don't want to be seen to agree with the Conservatives on all of their stuff. They don't disagree with a single element. They actually objected, they would vote no. Exactly. In fact, the opposition routinely votes no to everything anyway. Yes. That's right. So it is basically a, a, an endorsement. Yeah, because they want these powers. Yeah. Of course they do. And speaking of people that think it don't go far enough, uh, Politico, you know, sort of 
people that always come in and fact check us for misinformation, they're complaining that Rishi Sunak has caved on five particular issues here, right? It wasn't it wasn't strong enough. So Alok Sharma, COP26 president, you know, the fellow that got up and cried because, again, things didn't go far enough there. He actually introduced a bill to make it easier to get planning permission for onshore wind. And the reason is they did an, uh, an annual auction for offshore wind planning permission and none of the companies took part. Because it's not viable. Yeah. So we're doubling down this why? Yeah. Yep. Energy and security seems deliberate. Uh, also, a revenue certainty mechanism, so basically a handout, for Jet Zero, that's sustainable aviation fuels. So we're going to be subsidizing the development of like vegetable oil in planes. Biofuel jets. Yeah. Okay. I well, wouldn't at least be the it makes the next time they need to take some buildings down in a major city a little, a little bit less plausible. Do we, do moving, we need to clip move, that bit? Moving, moving swiftly on. <laughs> Um, there's going to be there was originally as well 120 pound per household hydrogen levy so that was going to be folded into household energy bills you know the things that are really bloody expensive yeah. uh, they were going to make them more expensive so they can try and fuel the development of hydrogen but don't worry they've now shifted that onto a tax on gas transports yes. which is going to mean the price is going to go up so you're going to pay more anyway thanks for that okay alright uh, they're also planning to ban oil boilers by 2026 so the, the former environment secretary, George Eustace, who I have called George Useless before because he's a diminutive little man, mm. um, he turned around and said, no, 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 right? That's not fair. It's not fair on rural communities that rely on this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's basically a rural ULES. So what we need is we need to be allowed to use these boilers if we run them on vegetable oil. So if they're rubbish, you can keep them. You're staring at me for a very long time, almost like you're very frustrated. Yeah. <sighs> Oh no! Oh no! I, yeah, but we're working against Just us. interject. We've had this these policies now in Canada for a number yeah, of okay. years. Smart meters policies, mm-hmm. banning oil heating. It's interesting that once again, as we'll be discussing later, you could take all the policies from Canada and lay them right on top of England, and you get the solution. But it's even right worse now. in Canada because you're you're very rural and you're also very cold. Uh, we're cold in certain times of the year, definitely. We're, yeah. we're known for that. But it's also quite hot in certain parts of Canada. In Vancouver, okay. where I live, gets to like Miami temperatures. Yeah. Right? So it's a lot more complex than you think. We, we do require lots of energy in the summers for air conditioning. You die without air conditioning there, right? You don't really have that same issue here. Mm-hmm. Although I have seen on British media the, the big red map of all the the planet yes. is burning because it was eighteen degrees and we're yep. like wow yeah. shorts I saw I saw a German version of that where they literally had flames coming up at the bottom yeah, of the map, yeah exactly just to really emphasize the point yeah, I, I, those aren't good objects for the Germans no no <laughs> no, no, no. no let's not go back there um, and <laughs> we're gonna need to keep clip that bit as well yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, YouTube compliant and the last bit was was Chris Skidmore now he was a former Net Zero advisor I actually went on a panel debate with him in 2021 at Conservative Party conference and he was asked oh how did you set the Net Zero target how did you reduce it to 2050 what was the debate that you had what were the calculations and he went oh, we just changed the number right thanks Chris appreciate it uh, he put in an amendment to withdraw the energy uh, the UK from the Energy Charter Treaty, which is like an international treaty set up in the 90s that secures the global energy market. And the complaint was that it still considers fossil fuel part of the global energy market. So just a complete phase out of anything that, that works. Great. So I wanted to finish this off with just asking why we're doing this. Right. So there's, there's multiple reasons why we're, we're, we're doing this, of course, to be UN compliant, to be WEF compliant, to immiserate people, to control people. Rent-seeking. Yeah, exactly. But, but there's also the appeasement of India. Now, that is 
not something that's on a lot of people's radar. Our prime minister would never stand for that. Definitely not. Well, you wouldn't know if he was standing because he's five foot nothing. But yes. point being, he was over at the G20 recently and he gave some remarks on this bill and, and all the net zero stuff because he pledged $1.62 to the Green Climate Fund at the request of Modi in India. Because Modi, despite India having a space program, despite them getting really cheap oil from, from bricks, despite them having a net zero target 20 years later than ours, and they're not really keeping to it, let's be honest, still burning yeah. cow dung over there, um, they get money from the Green Climate Fund as a developing nation. So we've basically just pledged $1.62 to the Indians. Right. So speaking at the G20 summit in New Delhi, Rishi Sunak rejected the suggestion that the speed of India's growth relative to the UK was aided by its refusal to meet the 2050 target for net zero. Sunak said, the lesson from India's growth is not that net zero done in the right way can be beneficial for very job, uh, be very beneficial for jobs. The net zero story for me shouldn't be a hair shirt story of giving everything up and your bills going up. That's not the vision of net zero that I think is the right one for the UK. This is just absurd, isn't it? This is, this is clearly a game yep. that, that everybody's... And look, the UK is like 4% of, of carbon emissions or One. something. If a 1%. 1%. Okay, so let's say we take it to zero. So what? Yeah, the Indians are only going to increase. The Chinese are increasing theirs by 16% by 2030, because in 2021, they reopened 252 coal power plants. Yeah. So single-handedly, they're upping it by 16%. Yeah. But we're really making a difference. We're being cost-effective, guys. We're leading the world. Um, also, it's just a lie because it, it turns out that households are going to get bills of £2,300 thanks to net zero. This, is, this has been modelled by the National Infrastructure Commission. Um, the cost of decommissioning the grid to take it off of carbon could cost uh, £65 billion. So that's, that's a bit, bit hefty. And it's all because, uh, Rishi says, Brexit means Britain can attach itself to India's booming economy. So they're admitting that we're in managed decline and because India has booming demographics, even though they just hit sub-replacement, because they've got upgraded infrastructure, they're developing their space program, they've got quite a lot of people flowing into Silicon Valley because they've got some intelligent people over there. Uh, Rishi Sunak, who obviously has no conflict, conflict of interest personally, not like he's no. married to an Indian billionaire, thinks we can just be an Indian vassal state and invert the old imperial relationship. Surely you're not suggesting that the British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, is putting the, the Indian interests ahead of his own country. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest that Rishi Sunak has any international allegiances to either the WEF or the UN or India, and his purpose. Apart from the numerous ones that, of course, have been disclosed. Yes, apart from yes. those, because otherwise yes. it would be otherwise it would be a, a yeah. shirking our journalistic duty to suggest that he's strategically demolishing the UK energy grid and locking you up for going over your daily energy targets to appease the Indians. Um, that would be a conspiracy theory, wouldn't it? Right. Should we, uh, should we do a segment that brings us all together? Something on, we could all agree on, something that cheers us. Let's make fun of California. All right. That's There's what we the need white pill for Fantastic. today. Yes. <laughs> yes, because... I, want to do, I want to do the Wiley Coyote thing of, uh, you know, the dotted line and just saw and watch it float <laughs> off into the ocean. <laughs> that would be good. Because, look, obviously, it's falling apart. What's, what's the absolute base tier of a civilization? It's, it's basically property rights and law and order. The, the, you know, basic fundamental things from which then all else can flourish. Um, California isn't, isn't really doing that particularly well. Um, and they're actually kind of doing it through legislation, a bit like in the last segment. They, they have basically decided to try and institute a sort of utopian vision, and they're going to they're bring in laws that are going to change everything. It turns out it screws everything up. You say utopia. Mm. Me, conspiracy theorist and joyer, mm. thinks this is just deliberate anarcho-tyranny. So it keeps... Well, that's what it achieves. Well, yeah. Yes. But, but it's strategic because it keeps the law-abiding people on the ground constantly confused mm. and looking to government and law enforcement at all times because they're not allowed to own a gun and not allowed to defend themselves. And so the oligarchy, the permanently instanced Nancy Pelosi-style class, 
are never politically challenged and they're just perpetually voted in by the dependent class that either need free handouts or the ones that are so worried that they think they're ever going to have a crackdown on the drug addicts and, and random people looting their shops. Yes, that sounds about right. Um, I actually didn't want to make this segment about Prop 47, but we've got to cover that. We've got to start with that one before we, before we go on to the next one. Are you familiar with the Prop 47? Yes, I am. You heard that one? That's one yep. where basically you can shoplift up to £950. Um, Free stuff, man. Free yeah. stuff. What, so what could I th- go wrong? I, I, thought, I thought, you know, may, maybe I would point out its disadvantages, but actually it might be more fun to, to find somebody who is a proponent of it and let them make the case as to why it's actually a really good thing. So I managed to find a chunk called John Legend. Now, that's a good name. Oh, he, he, do you know him? I, well, I, no, I, I don't know who he is. I just he's, found it. He's the singer. He's a pianist, multimillionaire. He's married to Chrissy Teigen. They, um, yeah, they, 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 they brought a camera crew to their abortion. They're really weird people. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just found that he was a musician, artist, and activist, is what he describes yes. himself as. And he makes the case for why Prop 47 is a really good idea. John, let's roll this. Or how about a world where we're able to keep our community safe by preventing harm? instead of packing millions of people into our jails and prisons. Now, before you say this sounds impossible, what you, you think know that? we have already started to do this in Called some places. Criminals, not Take people. California. For decades, California's prisons have been in crisis. In response, California's voters passed Proposition 47, a groundbreaking new policy to send fewer people to prison for low-level crimes and invest that money saved back into our communities. So the question is, is Prop 47 working? The answer is yes. Since it passed, Prop 47 has reduced incarceration in the nation's most populous state by more than 20,000 people annually without making crime go up. It's also (laughs) reallocated more than $600 million from the state prison's budget into community safety solutions like preventing violence, providing mental health support, and treating addiction. In short, California invested in public safety by reimagining what public safety actually means. Being unsafe. And you know what I thought when I saw that? The first thing that popped in my head? God. Parody or reality? You can't tell the difference. Because 20 yeah. years ago, that would have been a skit on The Onion. I think he's being sincere. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. But you, that's the yeah. world we live in now. You can't tell the difference. Yeah. It's almost it's like crazy. the inverse of the Chris Rock bit of how to not get That's your right. ass kicked by the police. Yeah, exactly. But I just yeah. I just love the idea of we didn't make crime go up. How did you do that? Well, we just stopped counting it as crime. That's right. Like it's no it's, well, it's no longer fair. Yes, well this, this is this is the interesting thing. So, I mean, I I quickly pull apart a couple of the arguments. So first of all, it works because the prison population has gone down by 20,000. If that's the only metric you're considering. If, if that's the, yeah, and that's well, the, the metric that he's is busy carjacking people, yeah. right? Quite. He also talks about, and this is this is going to come up a lot. Six hundred million saved. That didn't actually happen. The budgets did get reallocated, but the, there wasn't actually a net saving. The 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 fiscal position of California has gone into a complete nosedive. Wait, are you implying that Democrat governments don't spend money wisely? Uh, no, well, and and also because of the crime, their 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 uh, their revenues, their tax base is is just plummeting. Oh, because well. people were leaving. Because they yes. don't want their cars broken. Yeah, and and and, and economic activity and all, all the rest of it, the, the whole thing. So 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 the economic arguments and all the rest of it is is, is gone completely sideways. Uh, but of course, he's not the only one who's a, who's a fan of Prop Forty Seven. We've also got uh, the um, uh, the psychopath himself, American Psycho. Oh, yes. American Psycho. Let, let's play what he says. Hey, Patrick Bateman's at least cool. Two thousand fourteen. Everyone's pointing to Prop Forty Seven. If Prop Forty Seven is responsible for flash mobs stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars. If that's the case, then I ask, 
was it responsible for property crime and shoplifting, property crime and violent crime dropping in 2015, in 16, in 17, in 18, in 19? God. Doesn't he look a little bit like old Josh? <laughs> yeah, he oh, does. Yeah. He does. You should clip that bit. There we go. I've ruined Josh for all the fem cells in the audience. Um, so basically, the argument is, is that after they redefined crime, crime dropped for several years. Yes, yes it did. Right. And then the criminal class internalized the incentives had fundamentally changed to such a significant extent mm -hmm. that even on the redefined level of crime, crime went like straight through it. Now, if, if we had more time in this segment, I would uh, let, let, let's. Uh, let, I've got an image of um, Yvette Ingram. Now, Yvette is, uh, and I put this in a reading link. She did a documentary where she talked about the effect of crime on herself. I, I would love to play loads of clips from this, but I'm just I'm just going to tell you basically the uh, the the key points from this. So. Um, she's a she's a, a sole business person, uh, put her own blood and sweat and tears into starting um, you know various stores. And what she does is medical wigs for people who are going through cancer, right. so so they they can they can look whole. I think That's if wholesome. I think if it happened to me, I'd probably just embrace the bald. Uh, but obviously for women, it's, it's, it is a very different thing. So she was she was providing med medical rigs. And as anybody who's ever started a small business knows, you throw your soul into that thing. You if you've got a job, you go home, you stop thinking about work. If you're if you're a small business person, you go home yeah. Christmas Day evenings week. Right. You are all it is always on your mind, and there is nothing that is beyond you. There, people who do this are you know they're, they're proper people. They're people who really contribute to stuff. So anyway, so she she describes what is what has been happening to her. Um, she's now getting shoplifted on a daily basis, and bear in mind these are medical wigs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, what population is doing all the shoplifting? Well, there there are some uh, CCTV footage in the in the documentary. If you wanted to test any theories on that one, yeah. I, I I imagine they're not being used by cancer patients. They're probably being used for very stylish weaves. Yeah, that that is a definite possibility. Yes. Um, so sh shoplifting is now a daily basis, and burglaries, as in somebody coming turning up at night, smashing the windows, running in, mm -hmm. is is now down to a, a monthly basis. So she the, her last burglary cost her twenty five thousand dollars in stock. Um, she's been hit by $150,000 in total in, in burglaries. And, and basically, it's got to the point where she just can't do anymore. So she's had to close her stores. And, and this, is, this is one example, but this is happening all of the time in California. Bear in mind, these are medical wigs. So you know, imagine what it is for something that the criminal class really want. Same uh, thing happened with the BLM riots. There was the, there was the guy, I think there's a black fella as well. He started up a sports bar. He poured all his money into it. Um, and then mm, a couple of yeah. days after it opened, oh, you incinerated many, many such cases all across. That's California. what two billion dollars worth of damage. Yeah, let's wrap up the, the the sheriff because the sheriff is also on this documentary, like I say, which is linked in the reading notes. If you wanted to go and watch the whole thing, the sheriff points the finger at Proposition Forty Seven. He says that um, you know theft under nine hundred and fifty dollars is now a misdemeanor. So basically, all that happens if you get caught is you get a citation. The property is returned. There's no threat of jail. You can turn you can turn up again half an hour later and steal the same item again. Mm. Um, also, it removed other things. So it used to be the case even even before, if you were stealing under the, the threshold, whatever it was then, um, you did it three times. You, you then got um, petty theft with a prior. That then took you up to a more serious level of charge and you went off to county jail. So it was exactly the thing that John Legend was talking about. People were ending up in jail for committing crime. So what you're saying is the sheriff is racist. <laughs> uh, that is... That is uh, how the narrative might might yes. come at that one. Absolutely. So, I mean, and he also makes another series of points, which is, which is which is excellent as well. It's it's basically the because of the insurance angle, 
um, businesses are being put in a put in a bind. Okay. They can either report the crime to their insurance and claim the stock and back, premiums stay alive that way. Yeah, but their premiums go through the roof, and they're unable to afford insurance, and they might not get it. Mm-hmm. Now, actually, a lot of cases in California, that decision has been taken away from them because the whole insurance um, conglomerates are pulling out of California, and they're just not providing insurance. That's right. I did see one ingenious but ridiculous that he had to go to this extent method of getting around this, where one guy's store, everything is priced $950. And when you bring it to the till, you get a coupon to yeah. reduce the price. But he okay. just has to set it de facto to listed at 950 The, o- the yeah. only issue you've got is that now, because the incentive structures have changed and crime has become so rampant, that he's basically assuming that the, the old mechanisms of the police turning up and doing their job still function. Yep. And of course, because crime is now rampant, even even if he's going around it on that technicality, it's not going to work because police aren't going to show up. In fact, the 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 Ingram woman that I I showed a couple of minutes ago, she was saying that actually towards the end, before she had to shut down, is most of the time the police, if they did show up, and they they often didn't show up, but even if they did show up for a major thing, they wouldn't even get out of the car. They basically wind down the window, hand her a crime number. For the burglary and then drive off again. That's basically over here as well. Burglaries just don't get investigated. So we all have to finance our own criminal gangs to steal our stuff back. Well, you know what? Funnily yeah, enough, right? you should have plugged that in this segment. Dan, Actually, and I, yeah. Dan and I did a discussion with Josh, um, young Gavin Newsom recently about the economics of organized crime. And we mm-hmm. said, frankly, at this stage, if the police are unwilling to enforce the law, you probably will get mafias opening up in California. Yeah. Oh, for sure you will. Paying protection money for a fraction of the cost that the insurance would cost. This was the original justification for the Salvadorian gangs. They were yep. protecting members of their community. Exactly. So we're going full circle. It's just all the white people are going to be doing that now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because because if, if basically all the legal routes have been shut off, because it used to be law enforcement and insurance. That was right. your mechanism. Yeah. If that's gone, Basically, what you need is a bunch of shop owners getting together to have a, masio- a mafioso with a baseball bat wandering up and down the street ready to crack heads. There it is. Economics of organized crime. Five pounds. There we go. It's, that, that's what I'm going to plug. It's, scrap the other one, but that one. Yeah. But well, it's a perfect discussion because we did actually say what's going to happen as well is it's going to deteriorate into eth- ethnic preferentialism. And yeah. if you want to avoid that, then you, you do have a colorblind yeah. application of the law. But the Democrats are so determined not to do so because... Unfortunately, um, ah, the crime statistics. Well, really that bad. that brings me on to the actual point of this segment. So, if you've basically taken away all the legal routes from people, people take the take the law into their own hands, um, and then then you get comedy moments like this, where a uh, a, a shop worker chases down a shoplifter themselves. Let, let's play this clip. <laughs> so, for those of you listening, um, a, um, a, a vibrant member of the community is cycling down the street with his stolen goods, and the shop worker basically plows into, plows into, into an alleged thief with her car. <laughs> uh, had to chuckle at that one, but 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 that that's basically where you've got to in California. It's it's either you you just take the loss on the nose, and she's going to get prosecuted, isn't she? This That's is the exactly thing. So because you've made it basically impossible for any legal mechanisms to work, you have to take the law into your hand, own hands or basically go out of business. So what do the Californians do? They bring in Prop 3, oh no, hang on, 535. 553. 553, five, three. yes, 553. Five, three. And uh, in fact, we've got, yep, yeah, here we go. We've got the, the, the link there. So this is, this, is a, this is an article that talks about it. Uh, and basically what they do is they say, okay, it is now a $20,000 fine or attempting to intercept um, theft. So they're literally criminalizing the law-abiding people? Yes, while decriminalizing the criminals. Well, at least they know their voter base. <laughs> Let, Let me be- guess they're doing it for their safety. 
the the right. sheer insanity of this, mm. the sheer ludicrousness. But now, actually, the the bill did get toned down a little bit because originally it would have it would have prohibited loss prevention officers as well. Um, so we hmm. so loss prevention officers next next uh, link, John. And these guys have techniques that they can deploy right. to to impact on crime. And Did you choose this image for a reason, Dan. Do, do you recognise this one? No, but as a woman getting patted down. Oh, I, I just typed in shoplifter into into Google Images, and are you, are you seeing something? Well, you know why this is very good. Right. I have some friends that worked in loss loss prevention for many many years. Yes, this dispels a lot of the. Um, preconceived ideas of what a shoplifter looks like. Mm. That's what they look like. Quite right, quite right. Um, yes, so... But Saved them, didn't I? The, the, the problem you've got, right, the problem you've got is, is smaller stores, they can't afford um, security guards. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, the, on, the only thing that's going to work is the mafiosos like we talked about, yeah. Yeah. or it basically becomes a, a hole-in-the-wall shop where everything is locked away and you pay first and then you get handed a, a bag of goods. Like with the metal grates that are over like most most pawn shops that would yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah but it would be like um like if you ever been to a, a petrol station in the middle of the night they, they basically shut down the shop and it's just like a hole in the wall and you you, you pay and then you yeah oh yeah there's, there's, there's one Indian man who's risking his life talking to the little yeah yeah thing. but it would be it would be like that but for grocery goods as well now in my household that would be a bloody nightmare the reason being is I've got a daughter who is allergic to dairy and milk powder gets put in bloody everything I literally do need to read the the back of the packet before I buy stuff because otherwise I'm, I'm creating a big problem for myself. So, but that's, that's, that can't happen in California. Everything's kind of going to have to go online, uh, behind a barrier, or mafiosos. Well, yeah, have, you been, have you been to the States recently? Because no. in, in Democrat states, so I, I went to two, and I went to just a regular CVS pharmacy in a, in a fairly affluent area, mm. and they lock everything up in the aisles behind, right. yeah. Yeah. behind plastic screens. Because even things like disposable razors, yeah, you'd think who's nicking those, but it turns out plenty of Well, the, log the logical progression would be, why, why have a, a shop that you can walk around at all? Just, just a whole series of, of windows you go. Yeah, to. Live, live, well, live in the pod yeah. and just order it to you. Order it to your door via drone. It's yeah. another step towards that, isn't it? Yeah. So what I wanted to then get to is why is California doing this? And I did lots of research on this and to see the arguments for it. Um, there the, are the loads and loads of videos, and 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 I watched I watched loads of this stuff, right? And basically, I've I've narrowed it down to the key bit that explains the thinking. This won't take very long. I've really condensed it. Let's watch this. The studies clearly show. That's it. That's the key point. <laughs> <laughs> the reason California is falling apart is because reality is not performing in line with the theory. So experts. Yes. The experts are at it again. They, they've, they've done their studies. They've figured out what should happen. And then for some reason, reality isn't complying, but doesn't matter because the theory is good. Right. That's ultimately what it comes to. So. I then thought a bit more about this, and I thought, right, well, basically, it just shows that democracy cannot work in California. You could have just ended it before in yeah. California. Because, it, because it's, it's devolving into a narco-tyranny, where the, where the criminal receives full legal protection, and the, the law-abiding are basically tyrannized. Right. So, how do we solve California? You saw it off from yeah. the rest of the continent. That, that, is, that is one the good solution. The solution that I came up with, and I'm very proud of this. That was is, Superman 1, by the way, right? Yes. Yes, in which Lex Luthor <laughs> was the hero exactly. and Superman was the villain. Yes. My solution is this. Tribal elders. <laughs> no, I agree with this. 
Yeah, it's the only thing. I agree. With it this. is the only we thing. We should go back work to in California. Yeah. So, so basically, apparently, California is made of fifty-eight um, counties. Hmm. So you basically select a group of tribal elders in each county, and you have a man with a machete, and that's that's your legal system. Okay, well, not man with a machete. I think I think yes. public caning would work a lot better, like the Singaporeans do. Yeah, possibly. Like the only hole in this plan. Yes. Only hole. Yes. Um, you're gonna need men on the council, and yeah. The absence of fathers is behind a lot of this. So you yeah. might be short-staffed for a bit. You're going to end up with a longhouse again. Well, and, well, the thing is, each county can have their own, their own set of tribal elders who do it. Right. So for Orange County, I'm imagining that, that bloke with a moustache who did the motorbikes. I can't remember his name. Right. But he, I want him to be one of the tribal elders for Orange County, and then a whole bunch of guys like that. And then Orange County will be quite sensible, presumably. Yes. And then you'll get other areas, which will be... You know John Legend and a whole bunch of you know the floaty floaties. Yeah. yeah, and then and then basically you get to see what happens when people enforce things properly and people go down the theory route. I think it's brilliant. This is this is the so this to, is the to support your thesis, yes. but also to show a point a little hole in that. I'll yeah. give Canada as an example. Yeah. You are right in the fact that that will work because that's what happens in Canada. That's why the natives and indigenous have so much political power. Yes. Uh, in a previous life, I used to be a gemologist. And I worked for a big diamond conglomerate. We were part of the, the lobby that was negotiating on the Akati Diamond Mine, which is in northern in no Northwest Territories. And one of the big problems we had was Canada had surrendered all the water rights to the local native tribes. So doing any development there took decades because they could block absolutely anything. However, <laughs> however, envelope. The problem becomes right. when those tribal elders decide they want a brand new Mercedes convertible. They want to build a mansion on the reserve. So they keep all the money for themselves. Yeah. And everybody else is drinking paint. Oh, I, I, I appreciate it. It's not the ideal solution. The ideal yeah. solution is to live in a, in a modern Western democracy. Well, I'm just saying it can't work in California. So we're going to have to go well, to this. They're already drinking paint thinner in California as yeah. it is. So they're yeah. already well on their way. Right. Yeah. So you, you might be on to something. I think be, I can get on board with this. It's got to be the solution. Uh, California, give up democracy. Go Either back that to, or mafioso. Go, mafioso yes, sounds yes. good. Organized crime or tribal elders, take your pick. Yeah, exactly. Sounds great. Let's talk about Canada, shall we? All right. How many days do you have? Do you want to talk about uh, what the F or what is wrong with Canada? Because well, it many, is a very, very give us long the highlights list. of the world. How many bit. days does Canada have left? This well, day? this is true. Who's to say it has any days left? It already hasn't passed. So, what I've done is coming in here, I tried to prepare a list of, uh, I got it down to 21 things. Just to give you a sense of the cultural zeitgeist of what goes on in Canada and share it with you guys. And I want to see your reaction, uh, how far, how much you're laughing on the floor or crying or saying, wow, that sounds exactly like the United Kingdom. So I think there are going to be some similarities here. Okay, I'm going to start with, I'm going to go through these points. There's a couple of videos around them. And why don't, why don't you do a bit of plugging for yourself as well? Because we've got you here, and I think, I think you've got some great stuff going on. Do, do, do a bit of plugging. All right. Well, plugging is, I am Benjamin Victor. I wrote this book, Honking for Freedom, the story about the Canadian trucker convoy. And I'll read the very quick uh, endorsement on the back that uh, was a highlight for me. The Canadian trucker protest in Ottawa attracted tremendous national and international attention and was simultaneously demonized by then-Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and his cronies in the legacy media, the minions in the CBC first and foremost among them. 
What really happened? Benjamin J. Dichter, integrally involved from the beginning, lets his readers in on the story, one that all Canadians should know. Jordan B. Peterson. So thank you, Jordan. Well, it's not just Canadians. Everybody should know this story. That and, and, and by the way, uh, Connor and I have both read this book. It's, yes. it's very good. It's, it, it's, it gets to the point. It's not, a, it's not a cumbersome read. It's a breezy read. And what I did is, I mean, we did a Brokenomics yes. yesterday that I think was record length where we got into yeah. the entire story and a lot of the aftermath of what we're dealing with right now. That'll and be out in about a week's time. A week's time that. from now. I encourage people to watch that. That'll fill in a lot of gaps. But this story itself, this is all the positive stories, how we brought everybody together and what was happening when we were the, the biggest news story on the planet. And it was absolutely crazy. So uh, that and, you know, my other stuff, my Substack, djdictor.substack.com. I continue on some of this stuff and I expand upon it, what's happening in government, what's happening in Canada. And uh, also I'm live streaming now. So you can follow me on Locals, Rumble, YouTube, wherever. Uh, reach out to me on Twitter. And I do a lot of Bitcoin Twitter spaces. As you yes. know, I have a lot of friends in the Bitcoin space because I do believe freedom money is very important. And to tack on to that, at Bitcoin Miami 2023, yeah. Uh, it was amazing. In this book, I have the two stories about Bitcoin, two chapters about Bitcoin story here. And I was walking into the main hall. There were 10,000 people in that room. You could hear a pin drop. And what I heard was the person on the stage saying, and the Canadian trucker convoy, what they did to those truckers taught me why we need to have freedom money, a separation from government and money. And that was Robert F. Kennedy. I couldn't believe it. He was talking about us for the first five minutes yeah. of his speech. So one of the things we covered in the Brokenomics is that you had the um, GoFundMe raised over 100 million. No, no. Well, 100 million would be great, but no, 10 million. T t t 10 million, 10 million. Not a single penny of that went to the truckers. You then had the Gifts and Go that raised even more, didn't it? 12 or 13 million. 12 or 13 million. Not a penny went to the truckers. That's right. It's all the in only money that actually went through to the truckers that kept some of their businesses alive was the Bitcoin money. It was the only thing the government couldn't censor. That's we, right. We, we talked about this stuff really Handing reason. that out with envelopes through the truck windows as well. That's right. So, yeah. That's right. It was great. It's a great moment in Bitcoin history, and I encourage everybody to, uh, to find out yep. more about it. All right. Let's talk about Canada. You ready for some fun? Yes. Yep, go All right. And you go through yes. this list. I tried to make it so that a UK audience not familiar with Canada at least will understand a lot of this mm. stuff. So first... Um, the oil sands. This started when Justin Trudeau came into office. He banned, essentially banned oil. Uh, our number one, one of our number one exports, oil, lumber, uh, are two major exports from Canada. So basically made it illegal to extract oil. And, uh, but it was okay to go to Saudi Arabia for oil. That's great. But we can't be, we would have been self-sustaining at that point. Uh, the, but, but Canada is basically a, a, a big area of permafrost with vast commodities under it. That's that's right. That's kind of the, the level one of your economy. That's right. And you know, like my, my, my best friends are Brit. So we always yeah. talk about the difference between uh, England and Canada. Yeah. I mean, to drive across the country, you're looking at seven days if you're doing it straight the entire time. It's big. In my province alone, I can drive north 48 hours. Wow. Right? And it's all trees. Yeah. Yet we are hyper-focused about a small forest around the city of Toronto. Okay, we can't build houses there, but we'll get to that. It's the same with the States. I mean, the first thing that Biden did when he came in was block fracking for, a, he had a, a moratorium on federal lands for a certain amount of days and he extended it indefinitely. Right. And, and then he made it so that you, you uh, the energy companies were discouraged from investing. So he took it from President Trump making America energy independent for the first time since Richard Nixon set the target. Also being the world's leader 
uh, per country for three years in reducing environmental pollution, despite withdrawing from the Paris Accords. He went from that to, yeah, we're, we're increasing our, our, our imports from Russia because we're no longer making energy and we're going to make the global gas market way more expensive. And remember, he blocked the Keystone Pipeline project after Trudeau first tried to block it, couldn't. So he bought the company that controlled it, nationalized it, and then did nothing with it. Right, very Hugo Chavez sounds familiar. To that so, or Fidel Castro, but there's no connection there. No connection whatsoever. They do call him um, in South America. They now call him Cara Negra Fidelito, which is black faced little Fidel. All right, <laughs> so uh, they have we have bankrupted our healthcare system. So the solution, since we can't afford healthcare anymore, is made medical assistance in dying. Uh, AKA killing people. So that's. Uh, yeah, it's the third, is it was the third leading cause of death? Uh, yes, it is. And very quickly, very, very quickly wow. became that. Yeah. Um, we, we got rid of racist, bigoted words from our par- parliamentary process on the provincial level, certain provinces, which is mother and father are banned in provincial parliaments. It's parent or co parent, as far as the government is concerned. That, that was something I was really worried about, right? And the government considers itself the co parent in that relationship. <laughs> Clearly, yes, yeah. Uh, the Red Green Alliance, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, AK, and the Chinese Communist Party have used political entryism to capture and dominate all our political parties, Conservative Party included. I've talked about that on stage before. Okay. Everybody's constantly butthurt about it. <laughs> they won't stop talking about it, but I'm sorry. I mean, it's the truth. It's what's going on. on. On one hand, I'm thinking that's bad. On the other hand, maybe they do a better job. Well, that, that's happening here. So they aren't doing a better job. Because, that's right. Of course, yeah. Cameron, as soon as he left government, went to work with, for a firm that has loads of Chinese money in it. Loads of his cabinet did. Jeremy Hunt's wife works, used to yeah. work for Chinese state-funded media. They met because she was recruiting Chinese students for universities. Um, there's a, just a recent Conservative Party staffer that was a Chinese spy. And then the BBC brought on Barry Gardner from the Labour Party to criticize that. Barry Gardner has also taken money from, from the Chinese as well. Maybe we just need to pick one because I just note that, you know, Callum's got over to Afghanistan and noted that now the Taliban are in charge is actually sort of running basically effectively. Maybe we should just go that route. Yeah, but I don't like, <laughs> I don't like child brides and goat bumming, so I'm kind of... Uh, yeah, I mean, n- none of these are optimal, to be call, fair. Call me crazy. I'm a Jew. I'm not sure going to <laughs> Afghanistan is yeah. going to be my yeah. best long-term yeah, play, yeah, unfortunately. Fair point, fair point. <laughs> All right. So um, the and by the way, a little asterisk on the Red Green Alliance. That's how they took uh, Iran. That's how they took Bosnia. And now the big fish is the Western world. So, yes, they might have certain principles that you agree with. But who do you think is financing all this woke nonsense? Right. Because the goal is the destruction of the of the economy of the West. Yep. All right. Um, or their competitors. 83 churches have been burned, last I checked, over the past two and a half years. Nobody the, cares. The French in the audience are saying those are rookie numbers, but uh, it's the trajectory is certainly climbing, isn't it? Yeah, I remember a year and a half ago when this first came up, It was we were at about 55 churches were burned at that point. And yeah. it's not just Antifa, it's a whole bunch of different groups, all aligned by, that are funded by foreign ent- interests that have no uh, no love for the West. Well, I've been reliably informed that's because of all of those uh, native children mass graves that <laughs> turned the out fake ones. didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's very funny about that. I was listening to, and a shout out to Matt Christensen. I was listening to Matt and, um, uh, and Blonde on their podcast almost two years ago when the first report came out that it was fake, completely fake. Yet I was in my truck that same day crossing Niagara Falls. And what do I see? A Canadian flag at half mass. Yes. And that flag stay, stayed at half mass for eight or nine months. All fake. Anyways, which is why I banned the fake news from 
all of our press conferences and the legacy media went crazy. We talked about it. One of the best things you did on that. Yeah, it was great. Well, hopefully I was trying to show the world you don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. And they only they only would have lied anyway. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the political stuff. This is kind of your area of expertise, and it was—it's been a really pl- a pleasure talking to you about this oh, sort cheers, of stuff. For sure. Uh, the Conservative Party le- uh, deputy leader uh, for those who are in the United States, your equivalent of the assistant or VP or whatever uh, of the Conservative Party, uh, is a former lobbyist for a firm that was co-founded by the Chief of Staff of Justin Trudeau. <laughs> so so think the, the, the Conservative that. deputy. Is it uh, has close ties with Trudeau's chief of staff? That's right. And who did she lobby for? Well, her last big client, her client was Walmart to ensure during COVID that Walmart would stay open, but small businesses would be closed, enforcing all the COVID lockdown mandates. Uni party. That's right. Uh, now, I, I clipped out this um, this section. This is Diverge Media, independent journalist, uh, working class. They're actually really, quite good, aren't they, Diverge? Very good. He's been uh, combing through the Public Order Emergency Commission. That is the commission that followed, that resulted from the, uh, the trucker convoy. And what I clipped out here, this is a section where he's showing the communication between Justin Trudeau in email form, it was submitted, and the, cons- the then interim leader of the conservative party just so you can all see how they actually communicate with each other behind the scenes that they are working co-in-step with one another now in a phone call on february 3rd that happened between candace bergen and prime minister justin trudeau it was released to the public order emergency commission we see that candace bergen the interim leader of the conservative party and justin trudeau both agree on one thing that the truckers need to go home. The prime minister had said to Candace that, that hopefully we're going to be able to make sure Canada's democracy continues to run and our institutions remain strong. And quite frankly, the citizens of Ottawa get back to their regular lives. Candace Bergen responded, absolutely, I agree. Absolutely. I'm sure you weren't following question period today, but that's what I'd like to see some resolution. You're right, we disagree on some things, but I would agree with you. The goal is to find a way for people to head back home and clear things up in Ottawa. We do want the same things. If you have some ideas or some things that could be done, extending an olive branch is one way of putting it. We'd love to be able to even work together and make that happen. Uni party. Yeah, what's very interesting, and this is a comparison I made off air, is that this has been happening in Britain for such a such a long time. Yep. It's been it's been cementing the Blairite paradigm. We can all go all the way back to Blair and William Hague. And before you continue, just Asterix, that's the Conservative Party that's trying to take credit for supporting the trucker convoy. Yes, yeah, as, as you pointed out in your book as well, there were very few people that would come down as well. Yeah. Uh, William, William Haig, Tory safe seat in North Yorkshire for ages, was meant to be the leader of the opposition during the time that Tony Blair had his decisive Labour victory. As soon as they're both out of government, William Haig decides to jump on the Tony Blair Institute bandwagon, pushing digital IDs around the world, also pushing gender self-ID in interviews and times. Mm. And who takes over his seat? Rishi Sunak, who is parachuted in, despite being from Southampton, I believe, um, in the South, having absolutely nothing to do with the people of, of North Yorkshire, then goes into the Treasury Department as a junior minister, then becomes chancellor, fails during COVID, then fails in the leadership bid, and is yet pushed into it government. Was a very rapid shove into Parliament and then up through the ranks. Yes, absolutely. So we can see that there are 
interests working behind the scenes that mean that the parties share the same agenda and that very powerful people are move, maneuvering their preferred candidates into place. You think it's a problem that one lobby firm controls all the political parties? What could go wrong? Oh, I suppose right. I'm, I'm just a far-right conspiracy theorist. Exactly. All right, next, I have a term that I want to bring back, illegal aliens. Oh, shock. <laughs> Anyways, uh, 500,000 economic migrants a year that we're getting into Canada. Oh, wait, it's actually 1 million. Oh, that sounds very familiar. Yeah, and, very, and very familiar. you know, they're living in hotels just like the hotel down the street. It's amazing. Oh, they right. live better than I do. It's amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you're very culturally enriched. How's the food over in Canada these days? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's the important part, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, next thing we have, and there's a contentious issue in, in my neck of the woods right now called the Green Belt. Um, Canadians in urban cities, I'm sure it's the same way here, they seem to think all of Canada's greenery this is the people who live in downtown Toronto. They think of all of Canada's greenery is between their home and their cottage. They don't understand there's a big country that has trees. So one tree gets cho chopped down in their neighborhood or they can see it, they lose their minds. So um, what we've decided is we're not going to build any homes. So we're going to bring these 1 million people here. We're not going to build homes. We're not going to build condos. We're going to put all these regulations that built that disincentivizes any developers from developing to the point where just last week, 33 major projects, major commercial projects were stopped by the, by these conglomerates of developers who said, you know what? Because we just introduced another layer of regulations. They said, we're not building anymore. So you we're can done. make just some degree of legitimacy. The argument in this country but the, we, That's right. We have a shortage of land. Agreed. You can't do that in Canada. It's just look at a sodding map. But, huge. But it's also the things that they're building in this country are building vertically, and they're increasing the urban sprawl. I mean, if you go out to West London, anytime anyone who gets a, the train through to Paddington, like I do, it's just moving outwards, and the human battery farms are going up. And this is in the the majority minority areas where people are moving to, and obviously not integrating. So you're you're manufacturing the demand for the housing. Mm -hmm. And then also keeping the supply low so that the people who have money invested in the housing market that are also investing in the Uniparty have their pockets lined. And then the only response that's ever voiced on mainstream media are the Tom Harwood types that take a photo of the British countryside and go, oh, we're obviously full guys. It's like, well, well Tom, that's someone's land. Someone's, someone's been a custodian of that beautiful countryside for years. Otherwise, it wouldn't look like that. And you want to concrete over it. So what? We house the entire third world like a dumping ground. No, no thanks. Either way, the answer is always import more people and build more ugly things. That's right. And like I try to tell people, the reason you can't afford a house is because your leaders are making sure you can't afford a house. And if you have a house, they're going to take it. Yes. That's what's ultimately where we're going. Okay, so the next, you know, a little bit of politics again. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. And you guys have a parliamentary system like we do. So the Americans don't really get this, but you guys will get this too. The Attorney General is also somehow simultaneously the finance minister at the same time. And that would be Christa Freeland. Oh, who has, convenient. Yes. Yes, that's go. her. The most ironically named person ever. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't like her granddad or something involved with the Nazi party? Uh, her father, you know, we did a thing on it on my, one of my podcasts. Right. Her father was a Nazi collaborator. He, he wasn't forced in. He ran to them. He was in the right. Ukraine. Let me help. I'm going to set up the best Nazi propaganda platform Fun, for enough, you. Uh, the daughter <laughs> ran to um, the modern day version of, of the WEF and said, please sign me up and, and is, a, is a big noise in the, in the WEF. Well, because 
she is also on the board, the advisory board yeah. of the World Economic Forum. But what's interesting is we have somebody who is somehow simultaneously the attorney general and the minister of finance, and she has zero experience in either but, discipline. So, so both of those are really big jobs in themselves. You mean to, you need to know something about numbers and math? Yeah. Be a fine, you know, but, but coincidentally, laws and finance are the things that the WEF is most interested in. The first time I met her, it was at there was a community political event in uh, in downtown Toronto, and it was held at a Jewish community center for whatever reason, one of the, the big ones. Anyways, so she was speaking. Some of us managed to sneak in, and there was a younger lad uh, by the name of Liam, and Liam is I think he's half Jewish, but he lives in a neighborhood where there was a, um, a diversity cultural center that was built near him. And he was referred to as Jew number three in the community by, I think by the imam, if I'm not mistaken, was regularly mocked for being Jewish and spit on and all that sort of stuff. So this was during the Syrian refugee crisis. And she was giving a speech on the importance of the Syrian refugees. And he stands up and he says, uh, and he was quite, I don't know, aggressive, but assertive. And he said, I'm Jewish. I live in X neighborhood where they're calling for the death of all Jews every day under prayer. What about my security as a Canadian? I'm a Canadian first. You're bringing in people who want my death. 96% of these people polled want Jews to be killed. And you could, she did, uh, 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 we got it. We got to help the Syrians. That was her response. We just got to help the Syrians. She is an airhead would be a compliment. No, it would be an insult to air. Really, she's that dumb. But, but she is on the uh, WF advisory board, so she, uh, she has some use for them, I guess. All right, the next. I hope, I hope I've angered a few people with this. You think I have? Oh, I think <laughs> the YouTube comments would be very complimentary. All right. So uh, during the Canadian trucker convoy, when uh, AFER said Airhead froze our bank accounts, yeah. and just to make this very clear, we discussed this yesterday. Yes. It wasn't just my bank accounts. It's my bank accounts, my credit cards, my lines of credit, my corporate accounts, corporate lines of credit, everything. Yep. I logged on to my bank account and my entire history had been scrubbed with a message. When you start to use your bank account, your transactions will appear here. Like I was wiped off from the planet financially, which is why I thank God for Bitcoin. Yes. But during that week, there was a, between a $1.2 and $1.4 trillion bank run which is significant for Canada, that nobody in the media or the government wants to talk about, but everybody in government knows it happens. Why? Because I, like you, have many friends and supporters who are trying to work behind the scenes to fix that, who leaked that information to me. And I was staying in a particular part of Ottawa that had um, a lot of elderly people in that community, and they were all going to the bank every day, withdrawing as much money as they legally could every day. Because they don't know about politics, they don't want the protesters. They're retired. They're in their 70s. But, you know, it harkens back as well. Well, we and those are just the ones you see. There would have been plenty of people who thought, uh-oh, and they would have been moving money on their apps and all the rest of it. And I know of at least three very high-profile, very wealthy people in Canada that moved all their business, everything out of Canada. Right? They still live there, but um, everything they hold is now out, of, out in the U.S. or in other countries. So... Thank you for Prime Minister Blackface and the little troll. Uh, next, uh, Bill C-18. Did you hear about this? News is now illegal in Canada, unless it comes from the CBC. You can't, you can't have Seriously? any news. 
Yeah, basically. So the, the, well, it was the New Zealand last, wasn't it? Jacinda Ardern, we will be your single source of truth. It is that thinking applied. And basically, yeah. So, so what, what is this? Is this going to shut down like Diverge Media and, and all the rest of them? Yeah, so these platforms had been utilizing, all these independent media platforms utilize social media to promote their platforms. You know, they don't have a marketing budget, so they do whatever they can. And now if you're within Canada, you are logging onto the internet from a Canadian IP, you go to, if it's Facebook or Google or whatever, you can't see any of their platforms anymore. Ah, so that sounds very similar to the online harm slash safety bill that's coming down. Well, it's all for safety, right? Oh, yeah. It's all to stop misinformation, of course. Um, You know what else was for safety? The Berlin Wall to protect people from those evil capitalists. Yes. for safety, too. Yeah, so so over here, we have a governing body called Ofcom, which regulates the impartiality of TV broadcast stations. And what that ends up meaning is when the BBC lies, they get no fines. When GB News says anything remotely to the right of centre, their their presenters get re-education training and possibly cancelled from their job. And what they want is to roll out Ofcom across the entire internet. So shows like ours mm-hmm. will either have to have some leftist imbecile sitting on the corner or someone at least playing. Well, that's not them. hard to find. Get well, fun with that. But we don't want to have to pay them. Of course ah, we don't. And yes. also it derails the conversation. I mean, this has been very healthy. Why would I need to qualify all of my statements to some yeah. moron? And people just don't want to watch that. Or we just don't go on air because we're constantly hit by fines. The, the interesting thing that I found from all of this, we're halfway through this list. And basically everything you've described is happening here as well. Exactly. And we, we keep doing segments where this agenda is being pushed. And actually, when you stand back at it and you look at it alongside a Brit and a Canadian, these agendas are being rolled out simultaneously everywhere. Everywhere that the WEF has got their fingers into, their tentacles into, same policies. It's because it's the, it seems to be the exact same strategy that's being used and copied and pasted in the parliamentary system. Um, I want to go back to that uh, video of our beloved Attorney General and Finance Minister, which you have up. And I want you to watch two things. First, um, I mean, her general competency level is quite funny. Uh, It's really authoritarian and quite spooky what she's getting at. At the same time, uh, look at the dummy on the left who's looking around and just thinking about who's looking at me and when can I go back and watch watch my cartoons. So play the clip. When do we want to play from? Is it the, the timestamp you put in? The yeah, thing? the timestamp that's there. Yeah, it'd be 1.42 then. Uh, it should be... There it is. As of today, a bank or other financial service provider will be able to immediately freeze or suspend an account without a court order. In doing so, they will be protected against civil liability for actions taken in good faith. Federal government institutions will have a new broad authority to share relevant information with banks and other financial service providers to ensure that we can all work together to put a stop to the funding of these illegal blockades. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the fire. And also, you'll notice the gentleman on the right, that is the former, as of recently, uh, Attorney General, who made statements that if you are identified as a Canadian, as a Trump supporter, uh, you should possibly be arrested and incarcerated just for that. So, yeah. Welcome to Canada. Right. Yeah. These these are some crazy people that we're dealing with. All right. uh, Next. And this is what I try to talk about a lot on my streams to try to educate people on how things work. Uh, and that is political proxy organizations and fixers. 
left and right are both running cover for this. Is this the permanent NGO bureaucracy? And that's that's exactly what it is. Right. And you know, sometimes what they'll do is they'll build really elaborate schemes to really distract or break off a percentage, uh, or sorry, a, a, a small segment of the vote that they don't want to capture in the case of conservatives, so they can appeal to liberal voters because they're trying to be liberals. Because again. It's a liberal lobby firm that runs all the parties. So, so right? we, we have the same thing. We have a conservative party who only want to reach out to Guardian voters. Yeah, so there you go. go Guardian readership. So in this particular tweet that I put up, uh, it's about how one of the many strategies, the, the cringe moment strategy, and this is very important. I'm sure you have this too, where you have a movement that gets co-opted. In this case, it was the Freedom Convoy. Yeah. They create a, ten, a, a tangentially related um, in this case, it was this cross-country vaccine investigation thing from citizens. Oh, we're going to get down to the bottom of this, all financed by conservative party uh, loyalists and donors. They funnel as much money through that because there's a maximum what you can give to a political party, but you can give unlimited funds to any sort of proxy organization. Then what do they do? It's the cringe moment. They create, they sabotage the credibility with some insane comment. And by the way, this is something that they had Jordan Peterson endorse. And I looked at him like, stay away from these people. Click on the first image on the left there and you can open it up. This is from their official account after they have been doing this for months. They're going to get down to the bottom of it. What do they have? They have a doctor here and I'm going to read it out for people who are listening. And this is what it says. These are the people who created the National Citizens Inquiry into Vaccines. Why does the correlation between COVID-19 infections and the presence of Wi-Fi hotspots and 5G deployment appear to be stronger with population density? Is there a possibility that electromagnetic interference, EMI, from radiation, as suggested by Dr. Magda Havs, plays a role in the illness given uh, significant overlap symptoms between EMI and COVID-19. So right there, they just nuked their own credibility to any normal so, average voter. And this is why liberals call conservatives crazy. Take legitimate concerns, isolate it, give it give it energy, um, put a wall around it, and then discredit it. Agent exactly. provocateurs. That's exactly yes. what this yes. is. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and this goes on. For, and this, was ha this is what I was fighting during the, uh, the Freedom Convoy. And when they realized, oh, yeah, this guy, Dictor, has a little bit of experience with politics. I knew exactly what they were doing in terms of trying to defame and ruin the reputation of the free. So I was stopping them in every turn. So what do they do? They get some mouthy YouTube characters to start spreading rumors and defame me to turn everybody away from it. Yep. These were our conservative supporters. Remember, they're big, big supporters of the trucking company. Okay, uh, let's get next to. Okay, this is very interesting. This comes from uh, a podcast that I produce, a legal podcast. So the first point is. Uh, have you ever heard of this tradition called preliminary hearings? I've heard of the term, but... Okay, so a preliminary hearing is a 300-year-old tradition in British common law. Reasonably common, actually, yeah. It's used frequently in Me Too allegations. Mm. Why? Because it allows a judge to review the evidence with both sides in the courtroom and determine, okay, this is just nonsense. This is somebody who's just making it up, right? Well, there is somebody by the name of... She's no longer in, uh, in the Liberal Party by the name of Jody Wilson-Raybould. The conservatives celebrated her because she broke away from Trudeau and made him look bad, which we won't get into the details of it. But she herself, when she was the attorney general, ended 
the 300-year tradition in British common law, which our legal system is based on, of preliminary hearings in sexual assault cases. And what does that do? That That's ar- kind of one of the examples where you need it the most. Yeah, it's exactly what because it is. What, because otherwise, you just open people up to massive reputational destruction with no credible evidence. And it also dramatically inflates wrongful convictions in Me Too allegations. So you're putting innocent people behind bars, and that's what they felt was the problem. We don't have enough innocent people behind bars. Let's up that number. Crazy. Uh, And the other thing, that's something nobody talks about in Canada. Conservatives, nobody talks about. They don't know. That's why we try to put it on people's radar, which is with uh, your audience might know Diana Davison, a former men's rights activist. Uh, She's the other person on this podcast who this is how she's fighting Me Too right now. That's, you know, within the legal framework. Um, The next thing is no more. This was a problem screening for jurors. So you go to you go to court, you have a jury, you got to screen them. No, 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 no. Just the first 12. That's it. And it's to the point that even the the crown attorneys are getting frustrated with again lunatics. As jurors, you got to screen, make sure there's no bias and all that stuff. No, no, no. The, the Trudeau government and the conservative governments that go along with it, they think it's fine. Just, just 12, first random 12. We, we, we were already there, but if, if you do this in a, in a city where people are ideologically swayed. Exactly. That is a disaster. That's right. And who, who, who dominates the cities, right? That's this urban... The urban urban rural yep. divide, where the urban centers are becoming predominantly liberal for whatever they they have the brain cancer or but as all, Gad says the parasitic mind, and in the rural communities they're still traditional. But, but all the all the political prosecutions will be taking place in cities. So that's they're, right. They're basically predecided. That's right. Exactly. So I uh, clipped this thing where where Joseph uh, explains this. In the United States, you'll try anything in front of a jury, including impaired driving. I think, and, and to have what they call a bench trial in the United States is insane to them. But, but they have robust abilities to actually pick a f- jury, where in Canada, we just look at somebody and go, oh, okay. okay, first 12's fine, whatever. Yeah, actually, yeah. You could be biased. Yeah. We don't know. You can't challenge. No, no, thank, 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 thank you, Mr. And, Prime Minister. Well, actually, uh, we can't challenge anybody. And again, again. they're going to be challenged for cause, but you, you can't, we can't pick a jury here properly. Again, you know, the rule, the rule for peremptory challenges was abolished and i don't expect any better for a conservative government with because, all due respect because of one you know one case of an acquittal uh in uh, saskatchewan right we, we've said this before so, it's f-ing mind-blowing how in canada one because one case which led to an acquittal with the death of an indigenous young man which clearly was there were complicating circumstances, which made Very it so cool. concerning why the justice minister at the time went to Twitter to right. say that she was disappointed in the verdict, having not actually been at the trial. All right. We're good. Yep. Predetermined outcomes. Yeah. Very, very scary, isn't it? Um, okay. So, and, and they wonder why P- Canadians are losing faith in the judicial system. It's because of things like that. And people may not know the specific policy changes. But they know something's wrong. They're seeing the outcomes, and that's part of the outcomes that we're seeing, right? Uh, next thing, this reminds me of you know when I was speaking to her with a former podcaster of mine, and uh, he was an intelligence expert. And I remember we were in one hall, and somebody asked, "Why are the let's say foreign entities that are getting involved through political entries in Canada 
why are they so successful? Whether they're Islamist uh, organizations, whether they're CCP or whatever. And it was very interesting. His response was, oh, it's pretty simple. Because they, they share an ideological, um, they say, share the same ideological worldview. So they don't really need to communicate. They're all going in the same direction. They're focused. They're targeted. They're singly motivated. They're not distracted by things in life that become irrelevant. They're just really hyper-focused on one trajectory. Okay. Your kids can't tell the difference between a boy and a girl. <laughs> That's why. Right. Yes. That that parasitic yes. mind again. That that uh, get my friend Gad said. The, the civilizational level assumptions. Yeah. So we're at, we're now at a point where approximately fifty percent of the country are so ideologically brainwashed they can't tell the difference between a boy and a girl. But the solution, and props to you, my friend, because you bring this up frequently. Uh, they also simultaneously believe that the solution is to chop off the genitals of children. Right. Like that is. That is a certain level of brainwashing that I am just in. Yuri Bezmenov it's would be in awe of how brainwashed we need are. more eunuchs. Is yes, eunuchs <laughs> will say. Do you know that WPATH, the world's transgender health body, has set eunuch as a gender now? Yes. Oh God. And 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 in the guidance for that, they linked the justification. They linked to a website that had um, questionable age erotica fan fiction written on it. We need we need to round all these people up. And yes. make them eunuchs and put them on an island. There is already an island that's spare. Yes, good point. <laughs> Moving to <through> the field. <laughs> All right, we're getting close. We got another four things, and then we'll get to the last post. Um, the problem also is the general public. They fear the reprisal from woke supremacists, right? Because they're very aggressive. They have the support of the legal system. They have the support of the, the lobbyists and that are foreign uh, funded, and everybody is afraid to talk. People know this is going on. Even the normies are now starting to wake up because it's now starting to affect their children in school, but they don't know what to say. That's why with that trucker convoy, this thing, you know why this, they, they were so fearful of it because I was talking to everybody from working class, blue collar construction workers to the wealthiest billionaire hedge fund managers in the country. If we had everybody, to, to teachers, professionals. It was too organic and it was too quick, but if you had a bit more time, you could have flipped that into a major political party and it would have disrupted everything. Which is what they were trying to prevent us from doing, which is why the conservatives and liberals together colluded to co-opt it, because they knew we were the opposition. Let's hope that the Dutch can pull it off, though. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next thing, policing. So we have what's called police services board. Police services boards are the ones who hire the chiefs of police and the deputy chiefs. Well, guess who runs the police services board? Woke supremacists or people with, with uh, foreign entities that are backing them or those said Islamists, CCP loyalists, all that sort of stuff. So they're the ones who are hiring the top tier in policing, whereas everybody else from pretty much inspector down, they're in a different union. They have a different set of rules. So they're all like you and I. They know what's going on. But that will be captured in time as well. Which is what they're trying to do. So in policing, I don't have any pictures of it here. I know what they're trying to do is they're trying to introduce, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, communities within policing. So uh, identity politics-based community groups in policing. So, oh, you're the black police officers of Metro or the Asian officers of Peel. Yeah. Or that sort of thing. They're trying to introduce that in, into policing. And I could tell you so many stories about this. The people that they're hiring as police officers, what's the best qualification to be a police officer? You tell me. What do you think? 
uh, strength, competence, and partiality, but I'm guessing they're just picking small, scrawny women and new immigrants. You wouldn't think a, a gender studies degree? Would no, be the most important. No, no, I wouldn't. Though, though, though if I were You're a racist, if man. I were an evil dictator like Justin Trudeau, um, I would pick idiots who are going to be the most compliant in enforcing whatever dictate I dole out at the time. And that's the thing. Even if the top brass are the ideologically captured ones, and some from the inspectors and below are just average Joes keeping their heads down. Too many of them, in the process of keeping their heads down, want to enforce the lockdown laws. And so they're just as complicit. Yes, oh, it's it's complex. It's more complex than that. I, I mean, one of the things that happened during the convoy is, the government's probably frustrated about it, is I was talking to a lot of cops because I have a brother as a sergeant. I have two nephews that are cops and I have a lot of friends that are cops. So we're kind of laughing back and forth in our communications. They're like, what do you, they're, and they kept saying to me, now you know what we're dealing with in policing, right? And there was a time where a number of police officers would get on the social media and they would say, okay, uh, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm a police officer in Niagara. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm retiring. And they would be celebrated. And a friend of mine who's a police officer who's from Eastern Europe, he's as concerned about you know, encroaching communism and authoritarian as we are because he experienced it. He said to me, no, we can't have that. He's like, do you know how many things... I block every day just for being a pain in the rear end. And if I wasn't there, it would go through. He said, it might look like we're supportive of stuff, but he said, I can tell you right now, I have friends in Ottawa police force. They hate Trudeau. They love what you're doing. And that's why it's important. You need to focus on positivity, that your mood and behavior is positive, which I knew. And that's why the conservative uh, activists that latched on tried to invert that entirely. Oh, you were a massive threat to them. Yeah, exactly. Well, we still are. That threat yes. hasn't gone away. Yeah. And guess what? It's not going to go away. All right, next thing. The lobbyists, which we, could, we discussed and we discussed privately, uh, the lobbyists control the countries at this point. They control the nominations. Uh, again, we have the parliamentary system. So Americans, it's not for you. They rig the nominations. So they don't have to rig a general election. They line up somebody like Richie Sunak with a rigged nomination or an acclamation, and they know when he eventually comes down the pipeline, that's going to be the guy. Exactly the same right. thing here. Exactly. Exactly. So whatever. And then the other thing is the political proxy attack. Anybody who speaks out and is not doing so within the framing of a political party, they get defamed and attacked through social media. Discredited. They get articles like... During the convoy, I found out, apparently, I am both gay and straight and married with two kids simultaneously. It's amazing. And my mother called me and she said, I can't believe all this time you've been married with children. You never told me. Right. And we laughed about it. Nothing. And by the way, I just Scott Adams talks about this and I connected yeah. him with you guys. So that's going to be great. Uh, he, he repeats this regularly. It's so important. Nothing you ever read about a public public figure is remotely accurate, especially if it's political, right? All right, so I thought, what is the solution? Well, why don't we look at some of the leaders in Canada? Let's just look at a few examples. Let's start with Justin Trudeau. This was uh, yesterday or today. Uh, he was asked a question at the G20 summit, and I thought, uh, you know, he has such a gift with words, Justin. And let's let's hear his, his question and comment. What did Canada contribute... Uh, as always, Canada is a strong voice uh, for inclusion of uh, gender language, uh, inclusion of uh, Indigenous 
reflections. Uh, but there you go. <laughs> so I guess we're going back to gendered language, which, okay, great. Sounds a little racist to me, but whatever. <laughs> uh, next, we'll click on, which is uh, Omar Algebra. And I thought this is important. So Omar Algebra, that was the, until recently, the former transportation minister. He's the guy who locked down the Canadian border for truckers and everybody else. Oh, right. He was also denied entry into the United States. I don't remember the exact year, 2000s, early 2000s. He was denied entry into the United States because of terrorism concerns, because <laughs> he was head of the Canadian Arab Federation and was a big supporter of Hamas. So there well, you let's go. Let's put him in charge the of the border line. then. Of course. What could go wrong, right? All right. Next, let's go on to uh, this gentleman here. His comment is Trudeau is uh, deserving of criticism, blah, blah, blah. What's important about this is uh, that is Jack Mead Singh. He is the leader of the other, even more left-wing party. And I had another tweet, I don't know where it is, where he talks about India. It's okay. Uh, he criticizes India. And the problem is uh, he can't go to India. Do you know why? Terrorism concerns. Oh, really? They banned him from it. He's the only politician in the Western Hemisphere that's been banned from entering India. Great. Oh, sorry, let's make I, don't, him, I don't want to say terrorism. Sorry. Let's make, let's make security the alternative concerns. then. Security concerns. But what, what, what was the security over? Was it, was it religious nationalism? Was it being a commie? What was Have you ever heard of uh, Calis the Khalistani movement? No. Uh, Air India bombing? Okay. Right. There's, uh, I'm not saying he's involved in any way, shape, or form. That's not what I'm saying. But there were security concerns about certain relationships that may or may not be there. Who knows? Right. I don't know. Right? Probably just a conspiracy theory, right? Uh, next, let's go, uh, next one. Let's skip over this one. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, you'll enjoy this. This is, serves for me as an example of, and I, she talks about it, but in a very Canadian frame. So I got to give context. This is former member of provincial parliament, Belinda Carajalios. Her husband was in line to be the leader of the conservative party. There is a problem though. He's conservative. <laughs> and he wouldn't go along with this sort of deal that she mentions there. And she was the only member of provincial parliament, a conservative, that voted against the uh, expansion of emergency powers so they can continue lockdowns. So how do you think they rewarded her? That's right. They kicked her out Easy of the party. Right. So this is when she was operating as an independent after he, having been freshly... The member for Cambridge. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Good morning. You know, Mr. Speaker, there's a ruling class in this country, and they are all quote-unquote family. No, that's not a quote from the 1800s when Upper Canada was ruled by a small group of men known as the Family Compact. That's a quote set on March 9th by a lobbyist from Crestview Strategy to Cambridge resident Jim Carhalios, informing Jim that he had to support Aaron O'Toole to remain in the Conservative Party of Leadership race. Party brass preferred this candidate. After my family didn't take the deal, Jim was removed from the race twice. But stealing an election wasn't enough for Mr. Rogers, O'Toole, Senator Don Plett, Lisa Raitt, Don Nolan, and Derek Vanstone. We needed a court victory to repay campaign debts. A few weeks later, 19 volunteers on the local PC Riding Association were expelled without cause by fellow member of the supposed ruling conservative family, Brian Patterson. Mr. Speaker, I don't serve this made-up ruling conservative family. I already have a family, and I serve my constituents. Mr. Speaker, I am grateful for the support of my family and from Canadians across the country and would like to specifically say thank you to the support of the 19 people expelled from the Cambridge PC Board who chose to stand up for democratic principles rather than trying to gain the acceptance of some made-up ruling conservative family. Thank you. Connor, does that sound familiar? Yeah, not to, not to take up too much of the time, but it sounds 
almost identical to Andrew Bridgen's case, where he spoke out against yep. the Conservative Party's cabalistic style funding of vaccine procurement and said, well, this doesn't seem on the up and up, cited a Jewish doctor who said that this would be um, crime against humanity akin to something that happened in the 1930s and 40s. And he was kicked out of the party by none other than Matt Hancock, the health secretary who broke his own lockdown laws to play grab ass. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can we finish off with the gentleman who apparently people believe is going to save Canada uh, on a, uh, a video he just posted earlier today? If you can, can you click on the video, John? Hello everyone, this is Pierre Polyev, happy to join you for a wonderful West Trek flight back to my hometown of Calgary. Who's ready for a home you can afford? Who's ready for some common sense? Who's ready to give a big thank you to the WestJet pilots and crew? This is your... Captain, warning, a little bit of turbulence, but it will only last about two years. I went to China, we'll have a totally new crew and pilot in charge of the plane. We'll pierce through the storm, safely land in our home, the country we know and love, your home, my home, our home. Let's play. Yeah, so how inspiring is that? Uh, the solution big, is not the conservative. Big Mitt Romney energy is what I'm going to say there. Very similar. The political establishment, much like Ron DeSantis, they take people who have potential and they turn them into cardboard cutouts of themselves. And if we don't acknowledge this in your country and my country and criticize our own side as well as the other side, it's never going to change. Fantastic. Said. Brilliant. Right. Okay. Last, uh, we spent five or so minutes on the video comments and uh, a couple of website comments then. I think in right-wing talk, there's often a gap between seeing modern soy boys and thugs and single moms. I didn't have a father, and so a link of generational skill was lost, so I've been working hard to learn for myself. That's not really common, and I'm unusual and fortunate. I do think more sympathy is owed to those who, like I once was, didn't know what to do, and no one would help, even when asked. All they want is to be appreciated for existing and something to be good at and praised for, not the opposite like it is. Yeah, I think particularly young men are in need of cultural guidance, not just having your dad still in the home where most of them, well, half of them don't these days, but it's the role that Jordan Peterson served, not just in Canada, but around the world for a very, very significant amount of time. I will say that sometimes, um, particularly on the internet, young men who are frustrated with the state of things may come across a little bit like a dog eager to bite because it's been kicked one too many times. So it has to be reciprocal lads you've got to be open to people trying to give you strong advice and also not just bite the hand that feeds um second video comment all right lotus leaders i may think that i might be in the minority in this one or maybe the only one who thinks this way but i think the attacks on trump to, to get rid of him i'm not quite sure is it, it's really acts of desperation it's more i would think it's probably more like an act of confidence because they locked on the whole world no one's been fired yet the correct people are not being prosecuted either no what I mean, what makes them think that they uh, can't take up their political points either? I mean, they've crossed the river kind of many times over and nothing of value has really happened to them. Remember, I mean, they're not losing until they're losing. I mean, I think they see the vengefulness that they've instilled in Trump as a kind of American Caesar figure. And, and his, his taking it as a personal slight is probably the greatest strength of him at this point um, as the opportunity for them to have to answer for the fact they locked us down. And if you want to see people get fired, you have to push back and you have to push back hard because the conservative party leader, he was gone. A number, uh, somebody on city council, he was gone. The police services board person, 
they were gone. Like it was a mass exodus behind the scenes and people, the, the chief of police, he was told specifically he's going to be resigning. So if you push back and you stand your ground and you be kind, don't be, you know, don't start being overly aggressive in a way that it's rude, but you understand that, you know, you want to be kind to people's emotions, but you just stand, push back. You'll start to see res resignations or people getting fired. So there were people fired around the freedom convoy. I think we're out of time, but I'm I'm going to try and slip in one last question. Yep. Uh, sorry, one last comment from the uh, from, from from the comments coming from the website. No one else says thanks very much for having uh, Ben on. Great guest. Question for Ben: Did the people who had their bank accounts seized like you get their money back? Uh, yes. So in my some people had to go longer. Certain corporations, trucking companies, but the vast majority of us okay, that's good. Uh, got our bank, bank accounts back in eight days, the day after the Emergency Me Measures Act was lifted. But the damage has been done, and Canada, the reputation yeah. in Canada's finance well, and, industry is done. And thank, thanks again for everything you did and everyone else who was involved in that. Well, thank Absolutely. you for supporting us, man. Stuff. We needed you. We needed you behind us, and you came through. So I really thank you for it. Yeah. Well, go and uh, go and buy Ben's book. Um, most definitely. Honkingforfreedom.com. Yes. Uh, you also mentioned the Open College in here. Uh, yes. I also produce a, a podcast for Professor Stephen Hicks. Right. Okay. Yes. And we're going to be releasing season two uh, in the next month or so. Uh, so if you know people don't understand postmodern theory, and which is very important, a lot of these wealthy people don't understand what it is. Uh, I am a big supporter and fan and become friends with Stephen. So check him out. Okay, fantastic. And with that, thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Ben, for coming in. We'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock. Until then, take care and goodbye. Bye.